Y'all better not come to my studio with that fake shit. Y'all better not come to my funeral with that fake shit. Y'all better off realizing there's nothing that y'all could do with me. All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me. What up, though? Today is Friday, September 9th. 9th. September 9th. I keep losing my days, man. This is crazy. But um, coming to you live from Tampa, we're going to talk about the AFC and the NFC North. And we'll also be talking about the AFC West. Now, I wasn't able to get someone to come on and talk about the NFC West with me. I apologize, but it's not my fault. You know, I got almost 19,000 followers and I kept tweeting, asking people to hit me up with somebody to rep for the division. Obviously, that division doesn't have anybody that fucking follows me. So I didn't get anybody. But what I did get, I got at Raiders Bounty to join me. He's a Raider fan, obviously, but he's going to help me break down the AFC West. And then I've got Cam underscore from underscore Canada who's going to join me to break down both the AFC and the NFC North. And this shit is going to be fun because I hear these th- these two guys have a little bit of Miko in them. So if you guys are ready for some Miko in you, please stay tuned. And I'm going to, um, let me see. I'm going to bring in um, Raiders Bounty first. I'm going to have him on first and we're going to get right to it so I don't waste any of your fucking time. My first guest goes by the Twitter name at Raider Bounty. Now, we're not going to get into any names or anything like that, but at Raider Bounty will be joining me right now to break down the AFC West. How are you, Raider Bounty? Doing good, Nico. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. A lot of people were tweeting me asking me to have you on when I was trying to find someone to break down the division and there was a couple of other guys but people pretty much said you know the whole division and and you're not just a Raider fan but you actually know the the division and you know football and all these things so I'm trusting you to break that help me anyways because I don't know your division very well I don't I don't study your division you know no shade but help me break down the division and tell me who's gonna be the winner of the division who do you think has a chance who are the great quarterbacks? We're going to get into everything about the AFC West. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So tell me when you want to start. Yeah. So you tell me. Do you do you think the do you want to start with who's going to win the division, or you want to just start with your favorite team? Well, or are they the same with, thing? No, I'll just go top down. No, it's not the same. Okay, thing. I, I just not, wanted not, to know. Raider fan, Raider fans aren't going to like this, but it's the truth. Um, one of the reasons why I, I call myself a former fan on Twitter is because I took the rose-colored shaded black goggles off a long time ago. Oh um, they they don't. I'm not going to blindly support a team anymore. I'm just going to call it as it is. Oh, well, you know uh, what? You I'm, are on the right show. You are on the right show because that is what I'm about. So please spit it to me. When I look at a team, I look at four things. I try to simplify it. I don't try to overthink it too much. I look at the ownership. Because that's going to tell you consistently, year in, year out, what that team's about. Because mm. most owners really don't give a damn about winning. They're just there to make money. Mm, mm, and mm. Spit them facts, baby. They just, then that determines who they hire as a GM and what standard they hire um, them to. And then you got the head coach. And this is a quarterback-driven league, so I, I put the quarterback at a premium. Right. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. That is. And then... The fifth factor, the X factor, is the schedule. And not just who they play, 
but when they play them, yes, what part of the year yes. is, the, is the meat of their schedule. And I think that plays a huge variable in how seasons play out. You know, It doesn't really matter for teams like the Patriots or the Seahawks, elite teams. They're going to be pretty good no matter what. But for the middle-of-the-road teams, that can be the difference between 10 and 6 and 6 and 10. Yes. It's just how their injuries line up and stuff like that. So because of that you know, evaluation – I got the Kansas City Chiefs winning the division. Mm, mm, they got mm. good. They, they got good ownership. Mm-hmm. They got a good GM. Mm-hmm. Who's a, more importantly, he's in lockstep with the head coach. Okay, John that Dorsey, is that's a major Kansas key. City, major key. Used to work. He used to work with Andy Reid. It's their fourth season. Uh, season together. He comes from the Seattle background. They've had plenty of time to in, implement their players and their systems. I think Andy Reid's a very good coach. I think Alex Smith is an underrated quarterback. He doesn't do a lot of dumb things. He gets the job done. And their schedule, four out of their five first games are easily winnable games. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can start the season off four and one, you're, yes. you, you really got a lot of momentum going into the year. And then they finish the season against nothing but division opponents. And I don't think this division is as strong as people think it is. And mm-hmm. all their games are at home games down the stretch. Wow. So, I think that really bodes well for them taking the division at 10 and 6. It doesn't hurt that they always have a pretty solid defense. And just like you said, Alex Smith, he's consistent. He's one of those quarterbacks that I always say he's going to get you to the playoffs every year. And it's up to you. Your team shows who they really are in the playoffs because anybody can can get there. A lot of teams can get there. But Alex Smith always gets there. He doesn't, like you say, doesn't have a lot of turnovers. But he pretty much just controls the game and gets them the wins that they need to get. So that's sometimes that's better than – you know, some of these other players who have a good quarterback but really doesn't know how to throw or doesn't know how to read a playbook, you know, bad timing, bad oh, feet. You well, know? We're going to get to those players, those quarterbacks, because <laughs> that's what the rest of this division is. Well, talk about <laughs> it then. So, Phillip Rivers. So, so, we've got, so we've got the Chiefs winning the division, and, and those are the factors that you said, basically. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They're not built to win the Super Bowl. Right. Andy Reid and, and Alex Smith are not playoff coaches right. or playoff quarterbacks. But they but get the job they, done. They are. They're consistent. They, 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 you know what you're getting with them. Yes. They're going to get you the playoff. The next team, I got the Broncos. They okay. got excellent ownership. They're there to win. The GM is excellent. I, I can't say enough about John Elway. I hated the guy as a player. I, it it mm. makes me want to vomit in my mouth to compliment the guy so much. <laughs> but you can't argue with the success. See, I like you. I like you. You're a diehard fan for your team, but you're not stupid. Like You can, you can understand things. That's rare these days. How am I going to argue? If the sky's blue, the sky's blue. Elway's been very, very successful. And he does it completely different than what we've seen in KC. KC kept almost all of their free agents. They built that team from the previous GM. Scott Pioli did a great job drafting. And the current GM, they're keeping all their, the majority of their players. Which doesn't Elway, happen very happy. He just walked. He walks the line of going over the salary cap and being cutting into the roster to make room for Peyton Manning. And, do, you know, he's, he's constantly kicking the can down the road. Very Al Davis-like, but he's making it work. Yeah. They've been very good since 2011, since he took over. And I don't think a lot of their head coach. And the QB mm-hmm. looked okay in his debut. I think he'll get exposed throughout the year. But right. this is nothing new for this Broncos team and what Elway and, more importantly, the team leader, Vaughn Miller, has had to carry the last yeah. five years. Yeah. Look at Vaughn Miller's history. 
Manning and Osweiler, both of them couldn't throw last year. Nothing. Before that, Tebow and Kyle Wharton. (laughs) And before that, Johnny Football in college. Von Miller knows how to steady a locker room in the face of quarterback instability. That is dope. I've never heard it broken down like that. That's pretty dope. I like you already. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mika. But their schedule is loaded early and down the stretch. Okay. And so despite slipping past Carolina, I think it. I think they're just going to have a little bit of a off year as they kind of reload. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll be back next year. I, I look at them going eight and eight, which to me is very, very good, considering their quarterback situation. Right. Okay. All right. The third team. Third team, as I got, is my Oakland Raiders. All right. All right. The owner, he's dog shit. The general manager, he's dog shit. The head coach, he's average. All right? This guy had nine years in Jacksonville. I'm talking Jack Del Rio. He inherited a perennial playoff contender and a franchise QB in Mark Brunel. He immediately gutted a team and then later, throughout the course of his nine years, burned through two of his own hand-picked franchise QBs while only making the playoffs twice during those nine years. When you are given the keys to the car for that long and you only deliver just a single playoff win, you get zero excuses. Right. You're an average head coach. That's it. I'll give him credit for getting us to 7-9 and nine last year. He's, he's masking a lot of mistakes by our GM. Mm-hmm. But he still is who he is. He's not a Hugh Jackson. He's not a Bill Belichick. He's not a John Gruden. He's not one of these elite coaches, a Pete Carroll, these guys that, that – Get it done. You're looking at that win Super Bowl. Yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, the bottom line is, as a Raiders fan, I look at it like this. I've been through a lot with this team. We, in 2002 through the year 2000 through 2002, on paper, we had one of the greatest rosters of all time. And it matters. No, it funny. doesn't ha- fucking matter at all, does it? <laughs> Didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So if we're not even half as good as that roster, how can I expect us to be a, 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 a you know, a lot of people out West think we're going to be a run and make a deep run in the playoffs. Come on, man. When we had Rich Gannon, Tim Brown, and Jerry Rice, we were making deep runs in the playoffs. We don't have those guys right now. Let's, let's just call it what it is. Our quarterback is Ryan Tannenhill 2.0. Oh, He's the West Coast version of it. Is he? Because I like him. I actually think I thought he was pretty good. You don't think he's good? That's because your husband's not on the team and you don't have to no, watch no, no, practice no, no. and deal I've, with it day in and day out. Well, I, I don't watch practice. I don't watch – I've studied him only because we played against him. And when I studied him, he was a rookie. And I thought to myself, some of the throws that he made and some of the, the, the ballsy plays that he did, it made me feel like at least he has, like – enough of of the swag and the attitude to as a rookie to try to get out here and try and you know what I mean like be aggressive he's not like a punk is what I took from that and then last year he played well he played really well last year so you didn't like last year either no but here's my problem I got two problems with it one is how he got the job we've had better quarterbacks than him but anytime you have a general manager that wants to have their guy and their guy has to look the part that is always true sell jerseys you're going down a bad road because it's not a meritocracy anymore. I want the best guy on the field. We I had that you. guy in Carson Palmer, who was an MVP candidate last year. RGM, yeah, they, uh, they slept Palmer on that. Washed up. So I got a question forever. Our GM's ability at evaluating QBs when you replace Carson Palmer with Matt Flynn, then replaced him with Matt Schaub, and then tried ramming Matt Schaub down our throat when everybody knew. Carr's rookie year, he was a better quarterback. He should have gotten all the off-season reps. 
Mm-hmm. And we all know that the backup doesn't get don't a lot get of reps, reps so, at all, so which is so dumb whole, to me. <laughs> I'm looking at the big picture. The the I don't like the way Carr is being handled, and I I think it's gonna it's gonna undermine the talent that he does because as because he does have a live arm. Don't get me wrong; he's a good kid and he works really hard. But I think when you enable and gift players things because he's been gifted his whole life. Mm-hmm. He, he, I don't think he ever had to fight for a starting job in high school, and because of his last name, he was given the job at, at Fresno State. Quarterbacks need to face adversity in life so they can know how to face it when they get on the football field. And so I wonder if this guy's ever going to be capable of winning a Super Bowl because he's never had to struggle in life, and you're going to face up time. The second oh. part of it is we run a West Coast offense, hybrid with a spread. Mm-hmm. It does not Derek Carr's strengths at all. What are his strengths, in, in your opinion? His arm. I think he needs to be throwing the ball downfield, and I don't think he's the sharpest tool in the shed. I think when you do the West Coast offense, it makes it, it's, it's, it's an offense built for veterans. It, it's very difficult to learn. A lot of it's pre-snap. That you, you're making all your decisions. And you got to be a gunslinger, too. And you're trying to tell the defense, you know, letting the defense kind of kind of dictate and you have to make adjustments. We have young wide receivers, we have young running backs, we have a young quarterback, and because of our GM who's stuck on the West Coast offense, we keep having to hire crappy West Coast offense offensive coordinators. I think if you put Derek Carr in a Bruce Arians-type downfield offense or Hugh mm. Jackson throwing the ball downfield and didn't make it so much, having to have to think so much well, he, and just yeah. let him play, I think You're saying he's just not player. cerebral. He's not like an offensive coordinator yet. He's not. He's not Peyton Manning. No, not at all. I mean, Rich Cannon wasn't Rich Cannon until he was the twelfth year in the league. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he could run that West Coast offense. It's, it's very difficult. It's, I think you're really putting making it hard on on your young players. So when you watch the Raiders week in and week out, our offense is very predictable. When my wife is calling out the plays because she recognizes the formation, you got a problem. My wife doesn't know anything about sports, and she picks the plays about 80% of the time. Damn. That's bad. So. That's, it's crazy that you called him Tannehill, though, because that's the, what the exact opposite that's happening in Miami. They're, they keep trying to, to design the offense around his strengths, and the thing, only thing he can really do is check down pretty much. So all they do is, you know, two- and three-yard passes up and down the field, and they don't score. And people are like, but he has all these numbers. And I'm like, that's because between the 20s, yeah, he's good. He can dink and dunk all the way down there. But when you get in the red zone, when the defense is right in your face and, and they have the defense has a wall behind them, you know, so all they're going to do is come forward, that's when shit gets real. And Tannehill's not capable of performing well in those situations. So he's getting oh, an know. offense that is thought, designed for him, but it's not a successful offense. This is, this is why that's – I mean, this that's why I, I compare a car to Tannehill. Tannehill looks the part. Right. He's big, he's tall, he's white, he's blonde. <laughs> he's the guy ownership wants. And, and more importantly, this is an unknown factor most fans don't really realize. There's a marketing department right. that weighs in heavily on a general manager's decision. Mm-hmm. Who sells jerseys? Yep. Uh, we, got, we got a backup quarterback out in Oakland that could start for most teams in the league. Hey. But he's not marketable. Hey, he's I said the tall, same thing about Matt Moore. Arm, and he's a ginger. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, he's, he's like Andy Dalton White. oh my god yo this is this is probably my favorite interview right now of all these divisional (laughs) interviews you are my favorite there's no shade to everybody else that's been on but 
You are definitely my favorite right now because you are saying some shit that I I know I know about the Dolphins and their entire team. So it just seems like you're married to somebody. Are you married to somebody? You sleeping with one of the I, wives? How do you know all yeah, this stuff? <laughs> yeah, I'm married. I, 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 I like like Cannon Hill. I, I got a, a a nice, beautiful blonde wife, but unlike Cannon Hill, I didn't come from money, and so I don't have an off switch. Mm. You know, I mm, look at mm. somebody like that and I go, "How hard has that guy really got to work? He's well paid. He's got a beautiful wife. He lives in Miami. He's just not that kind of guy that's wired where none of that stuff affects him. I recognize yeah. my own, and, and I don't see it in him." You know, I look for guys like a Rich Cannon, a Peyton Manning, um, Tom Brady, guys like that. You Ballers. give Tom Brady all the pussy in the world, he's still going to be Tom Brady. He's still going to be the first guy in the office every morning working his ass off. Mm. It's None of that stuff matters to him. That's what you need to compete against guys like that. Wow. Man. Um, either you got it or you don't. This is intense. Get on to the last team. Get, get, let's the let's last move on to the last team. Who we got? Is San Diego Chargers, their owner's oh. dog shit. He's equally as bad as ours. And because they got a shitty owner, they got a shitty GM. I don't I I, I They got a and, shitty and field, shitty stadium. Resume. I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> who? I don't know how he got the job. Tom Telesco? Yeah, exactly. Who? <laughs> their general manager. He's the guy that's making uh Joey Bosa hold out and created that whole fiasco. Yeah, that was some bullshit. That was complete bullshit to me. They tried to they tried to bite on off both ends of, of the stick. Like, no, you got to choose a side. That was so dumb. But we know what that organization's about. Right they, shady, that, that's they're always they're fucking up leader. somebody's contract. They're always trying to scrimp and get the last dollar. That's that's a that's the reputation of the San Diego Chargers anyway. They always have fucked up contract situations. So this wasn't a, really a surprise to me. I just wanted to see which yeah, side that, was going to break. And I knew Bosa didn't have to break. Like, he really didn't have to. People were like, oh, well, just send him back to the draft, and then you won't get drafted. Oh, okay, cool. But then the, the Chargers lose their draft pick. That's not what they want to do. It's not what they want to do. I, I, I'm almost always going to side with the players on this. Always. The sacrifice they make, people have no clue no what they clue. put on the line. It, they, they, we're not talking, you know, it's splitting hairs for the owners. It's a big deal to these players. They yes. paid their dues. You know, and put it this way. When college coaches are okay with coaching college just so their kids get to get free tuition at college, and that's all their compensation, then we can talk. Mm. But as long as these players are going four years in college and making these coaches five, six million dollars a year. Say that shit. I'm about to have you on again. Okay. Because you are saying, you, you, you sound like me. And I saw you. You got the three. I'm telling you, you got the three one zero area just, code number. You know, I'm from Inglewood. I'm from Inglewood, California. So you got I a three. A, I used to own a condo off Acacia. Oh my God, we 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 might be related. We might be related because you speak <laughs> you speak my language. Spot, yes, I am so happy I chose you of all the other guys. Oh my God, I can I save your number? <laughs> so that's you didn't even answer. You didn't answer my question. I said, can I save your number? What's that? Can I save your phone number? Yes, you can. Oh, okay. But go ahead. We get, I forgot we didn't even finish up. We just dragged the fucking charges through the mud, and then I just kicked the dead body <laughs> on the way out. I, I do have a little bit of positivity for him. I mean, their head coach, okay. I think, is good. And here's why Chargers fans should, you know, not expect a 2-14 season. 
is the return of Ken Wisenheim, mm. which means the return of the vertical passing game for Philip Rivers. Yes. He does better in the vertical game. And, and, and Wisenheim is a shithead coach. We all know that. But his resume, when given an elite veteran quarterback to work with, speaks for itself. He's yeah. gotten good results when he has that kind of quarterback. In Arizona, he he's did worked with. He's worked with Phillip Rivers before. They were the fifth best offense in 2013. They did so good. That's how he ended up head coach at the But I expect a return to that form, but I, I just wouldn't get that happy. They have not made the playoffs with, under this current general manager. I don't expect them ever to because just all the turmoil with ownership. The quarterback, the, he's the best quarterback in the division. I, I think the world of Phillip Rivers. Yeah. I just think they got too much to overcome. Uh, with their inept ownership and, and all the distractions the Bosa situation created. you got your, mo- your most talented player on defense not ready to come into the season. I think they're looking at 7 and 9. I think, I think, I think the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chargers are all going to be around 8 and 8, 7 and 9, uh, you know, 9 and 7 type teams. Wow. And see, I usually pick the whoever's the best quarterback in the division. I usually lean towards them to win the division. But I, I know for, for a fact that Phillip Rivers is the best quarterback in the division. But I wouldn't have picked him to win the division either. I would have chosen the Broncos. And really, would have, I would have chose the Broncos. And then I would have had the Chiefs and the Raiders battling or, or you know, possibly trying to clip them or, you know, get a wild card or, or second place, something like that. But I do. I also had the the Chargers going last, and they have the best quarterback in the division. That stinks. Poor things. That Broncos defense ain't going nowhere. You don't think that so? That Broncos defense is. That Broncos defense. No, I mean they're for real. They're oh, not, I thought you meant away. like they weren't good. Gonna, oh yeah, they're they, going to beat up this division. You know, yeah. teams are going to be lucky to split with the Broncos. Yeah, we got to play those fuckers too. In 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 Denver or in Tampa? In Tampa. Well, then that's a different story. In, no. in Denver, with that altitude, they, they have such an advantage. You know, I don't mind going to Denver. Advantage with the humidity. I don't. I don't mind going so. to Denver because the weed is legal out there, so I don't have to deal with any bullshit when I'm in Denver. <laughs> can I say something real quick? Go ahead. Go ahead. Call? I got you. Can go I ahead. start off? Can I say how cool this is for me? Because not just because you're a former pro basketball player, and it has nothing to do with the fact that your friend's life. But because of who you are and what you really, really represent, wow. anybody that, re- that, that can read your Twitter feed for five minutes and that has a brain knows what you're about. Mm. And too many people in your shoes take the easy route and play a role in life. And you don't. Wow. You stand up for what you believe in. But so does the KKK. And so I don't, I don't really give a damn if somebody stands up for what they believe in. I care if they're right. Yeah. Ultimately, there's right and there's wrong. At one time, it was a debate whether women should vote. Okay, a lot of people were wrong. At one time, they were burning witches. A lot of people were wrong. At one time, they, we had to have a damn civil war over slavery. Half the country was fucking wrong. Right. right? It, I, I care whether it's not just about standing up and fighting. It's about being right and, and which you are. And, and, and where I like commend a person, it's, it's easy for me to do it, to just spout off on Twitter because I got nothing to lose, but you do it at, at high risk. Yes. Intelligent thought is considered dangerous in our country this day. That's a fact, and it's especially from a minority. And so I commend you for the person you are because you're a true role model to young women around the world. I really mean that. And, and you do put a lot on the line to come out and speak the truth. 
Man. The truth and the history of humanity has never gone over well with the lemming. So it, it, it just, it, it'd be very easy for you to just hang out by the pool and just be, and spend, you know, and spend my money and brag and, about so. how awesome my life is. I say that to people all the time. I'm like, do you guys really think that I could, I could not be doing something else? Like being quiet. Like I, I'm passionate about this. This is, this is my life. I, I can't just sit by. There's so many people that aren't like me. I have family members that aren't like me that are dealing with some of the stuff that I'm talking about. And that's why I speak out. It's not happening to me. It did happen to me, but you know what I mean? Like I, I have to stand up for people with no voice and I have to thank you for that, man. I, I feel like I owe you some money. For what you just said, man, it feels so good to know that people are listening and people actually respect me, whether they agree with me all the time or not, but they know where I'm coming from and, and what I'm really about. And, and you are the reason you are part of the reason people like you, why I keep going. So I thank you so much for those words. Cause you, I didn't even know you were going to say that. That is, that is awesome. It made me feel so good. I'm about to be so dope on the rest of my podcast, the rest of the season. Now I'm, I'm about to turn the fuck up. Thank you so much for joining me. And for those nice words, man. Team Nico. I'm thank out. you. All right. You have a good day. You too. Man, how awesome was that? I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to take a quick second, a pause before I bring on my next guest because I really have to stand up and do a quick dance. So I'll, I'll be right back. Okay, I am back. That was so awesome. Like I fucking need to have guests like that all the time. If you know a local, because this guy was not, he doesn't get paid to do this. Like, this is what he does as a hobby. He's not a beat writer. He's not hired by the team or anything like that. So if you guys know some local guys that rep for your team, you have to let me know because I'm going to be breaking down um, all of the Monday night games for sure. I'm going to be highlighting. So if that team that you know a guy from, you know, wants to come on my podcast for that sh that game please let me know because I'm all about letting people that have something good to say and are smart have a voice so you don't have to be famous and you know the, the the team the team paid guy you know if you really know your shit let enough people tweet me and tell me you do and I'll have you on so shout out to uh, Raider Bounty for his dope ass interview and up next we have a guy that goes by Cam from Canada he lives um, in Canada, I'm, I'm presume. Do you live in Canada? <laughs> Cam, you there? Yeah, I'm in Canada. I'm on, Van I'm on Vancouver Island, which is uh, probably about 40 miles north of Seattle, Washington. But I'm, a, I'm an ardent non-Seattle Seahawks guy for sure. I want to go on the record as that right off the bat. Right off the bat. You, you know, I got some Seahawks fans that follow me, and I, I, kind, of, I kind of fuck with some of them. So they, they're probably going to shit on you, but... I've, I've been following you on Twitter and you look like you can handle yourself. So I'm not concerned for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. And uh, I would say the same for you, Miko, most definitely. Thank you. So I, I asked um, a couple of people to help me find somebody to represent the AFC um, North. And a lot of people tweeted you. And then you told me that you could, you could talk about the AFC North and the NFC North. So I said, well, shit, let's do it. You know, I was trying to get some professionals, some people that get paid to do this to come on, but everybody's schedule was a little screwed up. So you have decided you will join me to talk about both um, the North of AFC and NFC. You ready for this? For sure. And I want to give credit. I want to give credit, actually. I'm, I'm a member of uh, Dogtown Nation. I know that it could probably open me up to some critique here, but I've uh, been a 40-year fan of the Cleveland Browns. and. I want to give credit to the dog pound. I mean, anything that I know about this game is sharpened up by 
the incredible uh, press that the team has and also by, by the great fans in Cleveland as well. We talk football nonstop. So I'm definitely very, very grateful to have an opportunity to talk football with you, Nico, and and just want to give a shout out to those people as well. Well, I have to I have to also give them a shout out. I am definitely an undercover Cleveland Browns fan. Everybody knows it. I've been trying to get my husband to sign there for a while. It just hasn't happened, but for those reasons as well, the fan base is pretty incredible and just the support from the whole city and, and everything there. You know, it just feels good. Even if you're on a losing team or you're on a team that's not always successful, to be able to have a fan base that still backs you like that and still defends you and still rides with you is very rare in this day and age because these fans are shitty. They, they're the social media era of fans. They are terrible. But somehow the Browns seem to always be the one of the elite fan bases and teams, even if they're not winning games. So shout out to the Dog Pound as well. You guys are dope. That you you picked a dope organization to to you know be a be a part of. That's pretty cool. So let's start off with your Browns and let's let's start off there. Uh, where do you want to go with it? Let, you want to tell me what I think is going to happen. Tell me tell me about the division first. Look, I want to start with the Browns because I, I you know I, I know that's your team, but I want to know which how you think the Browns will do in the division, and we'll just break down each team in the division. But we'll start with the Browns. For sure. Well, I think there's a lot of hope in Cleveland right now. Um, this team was 7-4 and four in December of 2014, and I thought doing a lot of things the right way at that point in time. No knock on the person that was quarterbacking it. Brian Hoyer, um, you know, he's not a, he's not a super high-end quarterback, but he had the guys believing, and he came in and he played hard. And um, for some reason, something fell apart in that middle stretch, those games against against Atlanta and Indianapolis in that period of time, and, and he just didn't perform well, and whether it was the guy breathing down his neck or however it was working away from the field, um, we know about some of the things that happened off the field in, in Cleveland, and and um, we haven't been a very good football team since that point of being 7-4, and four. but what happened is um, I, I think Ray Farmer got a real bad rap. He brought in some real good foundational guys, in the draft, and some of those guys have carried over, Duke Johnson, Joel Batonio, Kristen Kirksey. Um, so, you know, we've got a pretty good group. And so what happened was Cameron Irving, Danny Shelton. So these guys you know, are foundational pieces and allowed the new coach, Hugh Jackson, Sashi Brown, Paul D. Podesta, to come in and draft, uh, you know, a very explosive group of athletes this year. So the Browns are going to be very, very young, very, very raw, but not – you know, dissimilar to the New York Yankees where you see right now what's happening with them. They've scaled right back. And when guys are just young and dumb enough to, to think they can do it, um, I think we're actually a little bit of a better team than we were in 2014. We're definitely significantly better coached, way more explosive on, on offense. Uh, Crowell is much more, uh, I think, engaged. He's a more fit athlete. He's got the compliment of Duke Jackson. I'm a little concerned about the secondary. Definitely could have used your husband in that position. <laughs> I'm um, so sorry. But we'll see what happens with Joe. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Joe Hayden. I like the two young safeties, uh, Abraham Campbell and and I think uh, Kindred from uh, Texas Christian. I believe it is. It's going to start to challenge as well. So you know, I I think if the Browns can get you know three wins in their first eight or nine games, um, get some confidence. I think you could see them probably getting to that seven eight win mark. That's what I'm, I'm thinking they're going to do. It's going to be tough to get out of third place, you know, mm -hmm. even fourth place in the division, but I think the fan base would be really happy with 
with an eight and eight mark this year. Wow. I agree. I really do agree that, that that would be that would be something great for the fan base, but also for the players because they have had, you know, some rough stretches and some bad press and a lot of just negative and bad things going on. So to see the Browns, you know, start coming out of that hole and, and coming up and restoring the organization, I do see some potential this year. I really do. It just we played them, you know, we played them in the preseason game three and rg3 looked you know he looked pretty solid he looked really good um you guys got the uh receiver what's his name the the freak josh gordon josh gordon yes josh gordon caught a touchdown on my husband and it's definitely offensive pass interference but that has nothing to do with the fact that he's gonna be special he was supposed to be special from the beginning so that's that's a good positive yeah. thing for you know for the offense and knowing that RG three has that weapon you know to go to so he doesn't have to you know run around too much so offense is always the way I'm going and if they they can run the ball well and RG three can can um, control the game and all those things I, I do see Cleveland coming out of that hole and actually being a team that people have to like you know you have to beat them you don't just you just can't come in and roll over on them like some teams have done so that that's that's good. I hope they do. I, I, I always want them to, to, to be good because I'm, I'm a secret fan. <laughs> awesome. Sorry to interrupt you there, Miko. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that last year, in a few of those games, Baltimore game, Denver game, uh, you know, the Browns showed that they can play with those top dogs. And mm-hmm. there was just so much disarray on the sidelines yeah. and the calling. It was just such, such a bizarre season. So, I, I think last year was even better. I thought last year might have even been a seven or eight nine team last year too. So we'll see how it rolls out. Do you want me to move on to the next team in the division? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think um, probably the last um, team that's going to probably struggle a little bit this year. I think Baltimore is still going to struggle. Mm-hmm. I don't see them as being a team that can really uh, challenge for the division. I think you know their quarterbacks Flacco. You know, he's vanilla, he's a good player, and, and he gets things done in a very systematic way, but he's quite vanilla. I mean, the running backs are average. Uh, they have a good receiving core for sure. Their offensive line is solid, and I think they have a fairly decent front seven, um, but their secondary is not super strong. So what I can see is um, this year with Harbaugh, he's definitely had to deal with a lot of injuries the last few years, yeah. but I think they're going to get back back to being quite healthy this year, Miko, but... I just don't think they're dynamic enough uh, in the right positions to to really, and and you know you have to have a great secondary, and they just they don't have a very good secondary. So I think they're going to struggle too. I don't see them uh, challenging the division at all this year. Mm, you know I'm a I'm a I like Flacco. I, I like him. Uh, you know he's he's a really good quarterback. I mean he won a Super Bowl. He's he's been there, and I like that about him. I know he knows what it takes. I haven't been really watching them too much in the preseason, like really at all, honestly. So I can't even argue with anything you just said. But sounds good to me. That's why that's why I'm doing this this uh, episode because it's actually helping me learn about everybody that I haven't been studying and haven't been giving a shit about. So, what's the next team you want to discuss? And the last thing I want to say about Baltimore too is uh, Tressman, who is their obviously their offensive coordinator. Um, you know he's a pretty good he's a pretty good uh, coordinator and a pretty smart offensive guy. So I think that he'll do a good job of getting them as good as they can possibly get. I just don't know if they have the talent to be much better than 
to be much better than a you know a seven and nine or an eight and eight team. So um, moving along, I would say the second best team in the division. It's going to be a dogfight potentially based on what happens with Pittsburgh, but uh, I think Cincinnati is going to come in at second. I don't think they're going to win the division this year. I think they're a good team. Um, I just think with the Bengals right now, I just think that Dalton could possibly have capped out. I know that they're replacing Hugh Jackson with the you know with the coach that's been in the organization for you know eleven or twelve years, but. I just have a feeling that he was a bit of a world beater in that system, and he had the guys so confident that I think it's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. I, I think Dalton's capped out. I think they're real good at running back. I think with Jeremy Hill, uh, Giovanni Bernard, you know, it's a nice one-two punch. But, you know, Bernard um, didn't play super well after his first year. So, you know, you go to the receivers, you've got some real good receivers with Obviously, with A.J. Green is excellent. Tyler Eifert, if he stays, um, you know, awake and is able to keep playing and isn't injured, he'll be fine. But, um, you know, they did lose Sanu this year, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, they did lose Jones as well. And, I mean, neither of those guys are, you know, Sanu's not an exceptional receiver, but it's good depth. So um, their offensive line is exceptional. So they're going to be able to run the ball down your throat. Their front seven's pretty strong. So, you know, I think they're probably going to be a game or two or even neck and neck with Pittsburgh, but I think we're going to move into Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to win that division for sure. So basically what you're saying is the, the Bengals are going to go to the playoffs again and probably be 8-8 eight and eight and nine, or 9-7 nine and seven like usual. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know. They might be able to take that next step this year as a wild card team. I don't think they're going in as a first first seed though well yeah 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 that's what I mean I think they're going to easily definitely be wild card and the reason is because of the AFC and the way it always sizes up that you know that there's certain teams that you generally see every year and the Bengals are one of them now they're always that wild card team that's always there and everybody's like how did they get here why are they here but they're always there so you can't hate on that shit like you really can't hate on it if they're always getting to the postseason because that's definitely the goal and in the postseason anything can happen you know so yeah Dalton's uh, there's, two, there's, two ways, sorry, Nicole, there's two ways to look at it, too. I, I've always been of the mindset that teams that can't win when they get to the playoffs maybe aren't well-coached, or the other thing is maybe they're so well-coached during the year that they overachieve and they get to that place in the playoffs, but when that playoff juice starts kicking in, they just don't have it roster-wise, and that might be what happens with mm-hmm. them, too. I don't know, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised with... with um, them being able to get over the hump this year, but you know, hopefully they're hopefully they're uh, able to get over that hump at some point as an objective, um, right. you know, watcher viewer, right? So, wow. Um, okay, getting, well, tell me about the Steelers. In, yeah, Pittsburgh's going to win the division. Um, Big Ben will need the jaws of life brought onto the field at least five or six times this year. He'll have to be <laughs> resurrected from the dead. Um, oh you know, probably going to have at least or four life-threatening diseases it'll come back from. The team will be saying there's nothing wrong and he'll be limping around. Probably going to have to play a game in a wheelchair at some point in time. But um, <laughs> you know, It's going to happen, though. This shit's going to happen, yeah, basically. He's going to walk around with a boot all week and then fucking throw for 500 yards on Sunday. <laughs> I know. At the end of the day, he can play. I mean, they're running backs. Um, you know, very interesting offseason. <laughs> Against oh. the Le'Veon Bell, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting. 
Um, Sick. But, you know, he's a top five guy for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, D'Angelo Williams is exceptional. I, I think their running backs, their receivers, um, I'd be Their shocked. offense, period. Yeah, unbelievable. No offensive line, too. I mean, Ben Ben just gets rid of the ball so well. He knows where everybody is. He can improvise. Their offensive line is, I don't know if it's middle of the pack, it's upper middle of the pack. Where they start to fall apart, you know, their front seven is just okay. Mm. Um, their secondary is just okay. Even their front seven might be a little bit below just okay. So I think um, defensively, I don't know why, with the stability they have in that organization, why they haven't been able to put together an exceptional defense the last few years. But offensively, it's a quarterback-driven league. I think it's right. just going to be tough to stop. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I always say to people. Listen, you can have the Bears in the 80s on defense, but if you got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, what's the point? And so the fact that the yeah. Steelers have been and they have those running backs and they have those receivers and they have an offensive line, your defense is actually getting more rest than other defenses. So they don't have to perform as well. You know, and you're, if your offense is scoring points, your defense isn't being put in bad positions starting off, you know. So that plays into not having a dope defense. If you don't put a, an average or decent defense in bad positions, they look fine. They look just fine. You know, and so if your offense is scoring points, you're going to be just fine with an average basic defense. Where your defense uh, needs to be elite is when you're trying to win the Super Bowl. You, if you're trying to get to the Super Bowl, you need to have a defense that has some dogs on it. And that's what they don't have. So I don't know if they'll get to the Super Bowl, but they got everything you need on offense. Everything. And further to your point about the defense, if you look at even a team just kind of switching gears a little bit here, staying within the confines of these conferences or these divisions, but um, if you even look at the Giants, I mean, the Giants have made major upgrades on defense this year. So if you think about it, that's probably six or seven times that Eli is going to have the ball in his hands the last yeah. play of the game and the last series. It's probably going to be another, you know, three or four touches or, or targets at least a game for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. So, yeah. I mean, that stuff can really shift the whole season, right? Mm -hmm. This is just a you know, little bit better defense. So, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a great point. Wow. So we got the Steelers and then the Bengals. Um, where, are you, where are you putting the Browns and um, the Ravens? Who, who's three and who's four? I think I'm going to go, my heart's going to say the Browns. And um, I just think I'm going to go out and right now on a limb and say, even though I'm saying the Steelers are a good team, it's an old, tired division. It really is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the Browns are just young and dumb enough, and I think she has just worked these guys so hard and so effectively. They have such a wonderful commitment to off-field off, uh, and to sports science. I think we're going to see the Browns sneak into that third spot. Mm, I would love that. And I like and I like Joe Flacco. We're, we're good friends. We're good buddies. But I, I would love to see the Browns do something like that. And sorry, Ravens fans, it's not personal. It's just, you know, <laughs> I want them to be great. Sorry. I want them to do good. I like Thank them. You. I like their fans. Their fan base is incredible. Man, that's rare. So that that was great. Well, so, go ahead. We love you too, Miko. We talk about you all the time. We get a, we get a we get a good charge out of some of the stuff you're 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 going on. So it's good. Yeah, and so every time if I do see a Browns fan say, saying some dumb shit to me on Twitter or whatever, I don't even go at him. I just ignore him, just out of the respect for the the other Browns fans that are always supportive and you know so I'm like you know there's a couple of the little idiots in there too but they 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 don't have any light they have no light the the 
the Browns fans are true fans. You guys have all the light. And, and some other organizations, the idiots have all the light. So shout out to you guys for speaking yeah. loud enough so we we hear the cool and good, nice fans that are really here to, you know, you, you don't have to agree with everybody, but you don't have to be a dick either, you know? So you guys have a lot less <laughs> dicks in your fan base than everybody else. So shout out to you guys. Right on. So let's go, let's go on to the um, – the NFC. So we've got uh, four. I just think. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Chicago is going to probably bring up the flank. Um, I'd be shocked. I mean, they're they're they have a, you know, Cutler has the opportunity, and I think he has the skill set to be really really good. But I just can't see Jay Cutler behind a bottom end offensive line being a real fun guy to do business with. <laughs> and uh, I feel you. I, I just. His body language, I mean, I watched, I, I, I went into the season and I said, I'm just going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because I'm not a groupthink guy. I like to always give people the benefit of the doubt and give them a fresh start. I watched for 30 seconds and I said, I, if I'd have played with that guy or if I'd have you know, been around that guy, I'd have knocked him out. Honestly, just his body language and his countenance towards guys. And I don't know, it's just something about him. I, I just... I think he's one of those guys you may not win without him. I just don't think you're ever going to win with him. That's how I truly feel. Yeah. I th- I don't know what happened to Cutler. He used to be really good. What happened? It just seems like he lost well, his love. A, I think he's frustrated. I mean, I think he's playing for the Chicago Bears. It's, you know, the infrastructure is there. The bones of the organization are so solid and, you know, such a wonderful tradition. And he's looking around going, like, why do I have – possibly the worst offensive line in the league. Why do I have, you know, the 30th or 31st or 32nd secondary in the league trying to get me the ball back? Why are my running backs so ineffective? And I think it's just a frustration thing. I don't think mm. he's a super, you know, happy guy to start with. It looks like right. he's got a little bit of an arrogance to him. It's fine. Yeah, that's but cool. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, where are you? Where, you know, when does the organization start to say, we're going to give this guy yeah. opportunity yeah, we're going to give him something something to work with, right? So I don't know. I just think, you know, they've got Loggins, who was the, you know, not-so-good wide receiver coach in Cleveland a few years about, a few years ago that, um, you know, now he's in a position where he's the offensive coordinator. And I, I just – I don't think they're a real good team. They've got an unbelievable front seven, defensive front seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, that might give the secondary an opportunity to get some balls back. But – um, they're not very dynamic. Their running backs are not super dynamic. Their offensive lines weak. I, I think they're just going to be significantly entrenched into fourth place. Poe babies, Poe babies. All right, who you got third? I've got Detroit. Poor old Detroit. Hey, they're they're just you know they want to do it and they're trying to do it. And they've <laughs> just got doesn't a lot get of good done. Things yeah, I think Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. You know, he's he's a good. You know, it's even like last year against Green Bay. You know, he gets him in that position to win that ball game. Mm. I think it was on a Thursday night, possibly a Monday yeah. night. And you know, Rogers pulls off two things that you're going to find once every thousand years in just the league. Bad luck. And bad luck. They lose, and you know they're they're just not very good along the board. They've got a good front seven. Um, Haloti Nada. You know, obviously a lot of respect for him. Um, they're just not a very good football team they're they're uh you know they they lose obviously the best receiver potentially over the last five years yeah. i think or arguably last yeah. five years I'd the running backs are just okay. 
Yeah, I think they're going to have a tough time this year. Uh, Matt Stafford, if you put Matt Stafford, that poor kid, if you put him in a good organization, I mean, if you let him play for the Patriots or let him play for the, you know, Bengals or let him play for the, who you know, whoever, I think it would be scary what that kid could do. I, he's just, he's a really talented player, but he just doesn't seem, he's stuck in that position, Nico, where people say, yeah, but he can't win, you know, great quarterbacks mm-hmm. win by themselves and, and I'm saying right now, if you put any quarterback in that situation, I don't know how much more they're going to win than he has. Good point. Good point. I've always thought, you know, he was a pretty good quarterback. And I always was wondering, like, how come they can never win? They had Calvin Johnson. Like, they never they never were terrible or trash on defense. You know, they had pretty good pressure on the quarterback, which is important in the league. And so I just used to wonder, and I, I still don't know what it is. Like, it's just something is missing. And I don't know what it is. But that is sad because he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that people never give any any props to when he's retired, and, and it was probably because of where he was and bad timing of him being on a, a mediocre organization for the most part. I'm going to move on now to number two. Okay. I'm going to pick the Packers to finish second. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I need, I need to hear this. Yeah, I'm going to pick them to finish second. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to pick the Vikings. Yeah. You're going to I think the Vikings are a better football team, and, and I'm going to just take lots of flack over this. I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater guy. I'm not. Um, he's not my kind of guy. When you look at a guy like Tom Brady, there's a guy, you know, a Rodgers. They're not afraid. Jameis Winston. Those guys aren't afraid to push the ball into tough spaces. Mm. They're not afraid to get picked off. They're not afraid to fail. I call that you having balls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Teddy, you know, he when, when he was young and dumb and didn't care, and he didn't have the weight of things on himself in his first year, I mean, he was fantastic in, in part of that first year. But as soon as he started to equate his performance with winning – it just seemed to get to a place where the pressure got to him, and he's so accurate. He's not a good mix. He's not a good fit with North Turner. That's how I feel about it. So we've got Bradford coming in, who he's a game manager. You know, he doesn't have exceptional skills, but he knows where to put the ball. I think he's going to be a little bit more assertive mm. than Teddy was, and I think they're not going to miss a beat. The second part is, I mean, Adrian Peterson, well, you know, he had some controversy away from the field, but, I mean, he's a phenomenal... He's still Adrian Peterson. <laughs> he is, he is. And um, he's got a position or a situation here, Miko, where, you know, he's playing behind one of the... I think these, he's got a good offensive line. It's a good, solid offensive line. He's one of the guys that can make something out of nothing all the time. Mm-hmm. If you look at the defensive front seven, they've got... And the secondary, those are top five, probably, front sevens and secondaries. I mean, they've done such an incredible job of, of stocking that team in the, in the front seven and secondary that they're going to have the ball way more than mm-hmm. a lot of other teams will have it. They're going to be able to slow games down. Bradford's got the ability to manage a game. Like, he's an exceptional manager. you got Adrian Peterson. I think they're going to be really tough to beat on a week-to-week basis this year. Wow. You gave me something to think about because I don't really know anything about the quarterback. So I, that's kind of why I would have picked um, 
Green Bay Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Tom Brady's absolutely, you know, in that discussion. But it, between those two, I say it just depends on, you know, what kind of quarterback you like. You know, I, I believe if Aaron Rodgers was in Pitts in um, New England, it, it'd be the same result. So, but I don't know. I I, I, tell me, tell me. Okay, so you got to tell me, talk about the the Packers, and then you've got to tell me why you think they're not. Is it what? What is it with the Packers that you feel is going to hold them back from being um, the division leader? I don't think it's going to be a big difference between. I don't think it's going to be a big difference between the top two teams, and it could go either way. But um, I think that the Packers right now. Their front seven is just average. They have, a, they have an average front seven, and a front seven is very, very important in this division, obviously, where you have the you know, quarterbacks being so important to the teams. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the front seven is, is a little bit weak, probably middle of the pack. They're talking about moving uh, Clay Matthews back to the edge position, which is going to make a little bit of a difference for him oh, okay. for sure to get him some more pressure. Um I think that their secondary is really, really good. Um, they have, you know, obviously, you know, second-year players that are coming in that are real good, Randall and Rollins, and, and um, you know, they've got real good, I think, well, not real good, but pretty good run defense from their safeties. But I just think that what happens is that they're, they're in a position where their wide receivers are good, but I think there's a lot of second, I don't think, I don't think, Randall Cobb is a, is a first guy anywhere else. I don't yeah. think Jordy Nelson is first guy anywhere else. Well, I don't know about Jordy, so, but Cobb, I would agree with Jordy. Uh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I've been watching him for a while. He's pretty good, but go ahead. He, he's really good, but I, I don't think he's a dynamic first guy. The injuries, I, I just something about it tells me he's not going to be as good as we thought he was going to be. And then we've got, um, you know, obviously Cook at, at tight end. And um, so, you know, we're going to see what happens with him. He's going to have to be real good. He's a drop guy, though. I mean, he's uh, he drops a lot of balls. So, I, like, Aaron Rodgers is a great player. How, you know, how do you ever bet against Aaron Rodgers? But on the other hand, um, you know, we saw last year that, you know, he, he could he could they could fall down into that second spot and I just don't think I think the Vikings are better than they were a year ago. I think that Adrian Peterson is gonna just absolutely go off this year. I think he's gonna go for two thousand this year, I really do. Hmm. Well, I don't know. You make some great, great points about the division. I, I, I have to respect it just because of everything you've given me in these last 30 minutes. I'm going to respect all that. I still can't bet against Aaron Rodgers in the division, but if you are right, I'm definitely going to tweet you and be like, wow, oh, my God. But, um, wow, that was pretty good. I like you. Fans did a good job. Thank Shout you. Shout out to Twitter for um, referring you, all the, tw- all the tweeters. Because I got two two really good guys today. You were really great. Thank you. I'm going to save your number because what I'm going to be doing is breaking down the Monday night games. And I might have you on again so we can um, whenever the – do the Browns have a Monday night game this season? Am I going to be watching them all? No, I said do the Browns have a Monday night game this season. Um, you know what? I'm just focused on this one this week. I think we don't. Oh, okay. Um, I know that there's a couple of teams I saw. I, I'm not sure if we do, but I'm focused on this one. 
Okay. So, but I'm definitely available for you anytime, Nico, for sure. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Cam, from Canada. I appreciate you. You have a good weekend, okay? Yeah, and people can feel free to follow on Twitter. It's at Cam underscore from underscore Canada. Yeah, so my bad. I'm I always in I messed that up. At, at Cam underscore from at underscore at Canada. At Cam underscore from underscore Canada. Got it. And Miko, the other thing I want to say as a, as a, as a white man in, in, <laughs> in North America, I wanted to say that um, I, I really was disappointed that there was such a, um, a belief that there was a shot being taken at the military uh, uh, by Colin Kaepernick's stance. Ridiculous, right? I was, yeah, I was disappointed. I, and I love the military. I'm a North American, but I have, I have skin in the game in the U.S. and strong ties to the U.S. And I love your country so much. Thank you. And um, I, I just, I have so much respect for the military and the soldiers. I really, really do. My heart is just, is with them. But, you know, I can't say why every single soldier fights, but I certainly can't say um, that they don't fight for reasons either and and when i hear that they didn't fight so colin kaepernick could make a stand like that you know it's just so unfortunate because there you have a guy who's a peace loving just a beautiful guy he was involved charitably he's just a wonderful right. um example of of exactly how you should protest mm-hmm. and i was really disappointed that it got to the point where people actually you know brought the hatred out i mean he the guy took his forum and he's doing what he can to do and, and bring attention to something that, that everyone in this whole hemisphere should be ashamed of is the racism in the United States and in Canada and in other countries. We should be ashamed of it. Right. And, um, you know, I just, I was so disappointed to see, and as a white male, and I guess you would say not necessarily a privilege, but, you know, I've been given every opportunity in this life that are so often taken away from people of color and minority and, and even women. And I can say with all honesty that um, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with Cap's um, platform. I, I, I may or I may not. I'm not going to get into that. But I certainly 100% is endorse his right to be able to do it. And, exactly. and I was really, uh, really saddened by those who, who, uh, who went after him in a very, very personal way. Yeah, a lot of people like to do that to deflect from the real issue. And the issue is why he's doing this. You know, people are just saying, oh, well, he's disrespecting the country and the military. No, he's not. Listen to what he's saying. No one wants to listen because that means they have to accept the fact that there are some things that are very, very wrong happening. Yeah. You know, nope. that's why they don't do it. Because if you if you get off of the fact that he's kneeling, you know, he that's why he said he kneeled. He said some military people asked him to kneel. If he didn't care about the military or the veterans, why wouldn't he why would he even do that? You know what I mean? Like he did that for them, for the people that he does respect in the military. They asked him to kneel. and He said, yes, I will kneel. They understand that these problems do exist. And they also understand that he has that right. But for some reason, you don't get to have rights that other people don't like, apparently. If they don't like that you for you to use that right, then it's wrong. It's not right. So thank yeah. you so much for saying. No, it's, and and he's a gent, he's a gentle soul, and uh, you know whether he's a good good player or not a good player has nothing to do with it. it. No, he's doing some things that he thinks are right too. So and and in, in closing, God bless our our good police people. God bless our yes our our good military people. God bless the people that protest. 
peacefully and protest in the right way too and and may god bless and heal um north america and both countries because we sure need it amen thank you so much cam from canada for joining me i appreciate you all right Nico. thank you you're welcome wow two dope interviews i couldn't have asked for better people to come on the podcast with me so i have to shout out my followers on twitter who kept tweeting me and and saying to, to get these two guys on i hope you guys are happy with the results you don't know their names they're not on tv but to me those two guys spoke as if they get paid to do this job so shout out to um raider bounty and shout out to cam from canada for joining me i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope that you understood some of the stuff they were saying because some of you guys are just dumb a lot of people don't get football but what these guys were talking about was real football stuff you know so shout out to them and shout out to everybody that's listening i appreciate you guys um i'm gonna be doing a podcast every monday from now on it's gonna be on mondays i'm gonna break down the monday night games is the plan to break down the monday night game and then give you a preview or a recap of Sunday. I haven't figured out how I'm going to do it just yet. If I'm going to do a preview and then a recap, it's, it's, it's all going to work out anyway. But I'm going to be putting these out every Monday. I'm going to bring back my Ask Me questions for you guys. I'm going to bring back um, my, my um, girl talk for you guys. And I'm going to bring back the Twitter fingers. We're going to get back on a consistent flow now that football season's in. And you guys better be listening. Peace. Just to